Joining me today is Joao Suarez, a partner in our London office. Today we'll talk with Joao about his background and path to consulting, coming to Bain and working in a variety of industries and offices around the world, and his work as the global head of BeGlad, Bain's LGBTQ network. Joao, welcome. Good to have you here. Thanks. It's great to be here. Thanks, Keith, for inviting me for this conversation. Sure. And now, Joao, we've known each other for a while. I think we probably knew of each other. But when I took on my role leading global consultant recruiting, you were the school head for INSEAD. I think it'd be helpful to fill listeners in a little bit more on your background. So why don't we start a little further back? You started at the University of Lisbon. Can you talk a little bit about that and what your career path was? Sure. Happy to. So I'm Portuguese and I went to school in Portugal, including university. And so I did public schooling throughout i.e. the state-sponsored schooling, including college. And then when I finished, I was wondering what to do, what are my options? And at the time, I thought that contributing to the world we live in would be a good thing. And so I thought that we could combine the fact that you were a top student with great marks and wanted to work in finance and wanted to understand the business world and serve society as, as well. So I became a civil servant. I joined the local Securities and Exchange Commission where I did and I worked on M&A and on IPOs. And so it was fun and fascinating. I did a number of industries and I've learned about a number of topics and getting my hands dirty on a number of different industries. And so I worked in cement, I worked in banking, I worked in technology, I worked in shipping all these industries, the different dynamics really excited me and I wanted to learn more and to understand more. But I also learned and realized soon that my learning curve was flattening very quickly at that role. And so, although there was the excitement of new industries and new operations, the fact of the things that I needed to do were very routine. And so, one of the things that excited me and that enjoyed in college as well was the learning and the learning curves. And so I said, I want to repeat this and I want to find new avenues for learning curves and excitement and industries. And so I started to, hmm, I need to do something different. So that's something different turned into an MBA program. Yes. How did you go about that decision process? Because it's a big investment and it sounds like you were successful and, and learning, although the curve was flattening. You know, how did you decide when to go and where to go to business school? So the, the when, since the flattening of the curve was quick, was actually fairly soon after I started working. And so I ended up starting the program two years and something after starting working. And so I think I probably applied after a year on the job. And I applied to multiple schools. And uh, what I found at INSEAD was that it provided a more multicultural environment. So no single nationality had more 10% of applicants or students. And that it had a number of features which I liked. One of which was the fact that it was one year, so I would get up to the experience curve, it would be very fast, everything would be very accelerated. That ended up to be actually a mistake, so I wish I had done two years. I wish INSEAD had a two-year program, because once you're there, the life experience is, is phenomenal. And so I learned not as much from the program, which of course I learned, like everybody does in, a, in an MBA, but the learning from my colleagues, their experiences, mm -hmm. the living in a bubble in the best possible sense of the word, in which you are constantly challenged by brilliant people who have very diverse life experiences, was eye-opening to me. And so the ability to continue learning 
and to always keep on learning was something that uh, I've learned at business school. It's possible. And there are career paths that actually take you there. That's awesome. The career path after INSEAD, though, you didn't go back to civil service afterwards. So how did you decide what to do after a great year, it sounds like, at INSEAD? So I wanted to continue the learning, and I realized that management consulting was a good path forward. For family reasons, I wanted to come back to Portugal to provide some family assistance. At that time, I also liked the entrepreneurial idea. So I ended up finding and crossing paths with a group of people that were spinning off from a leading consulting firm in Portugal. And they, they liked the approach, they liked the market, but they did not necessarily like the culture. And so they were setting up a firm that took the name and joined with A.T. Carney. And so I joined that office and it was a perfect startup opportunity. And so the ability to create something from scratch, to build a market, to build a position, it was really exhilarating. And so, and that lasted for a while until that, that team dissolved. I joined another firm. Then I was asked to relaunch it again, relaunch Carney again, and said, okay, here's another entrepreneurial opportunity, which is fun. And I'd actually get to work with a number of people that I have hired and that I'd worked with and developed and, okay, that's fun. And so I did that. I went back to Carney at that time. Now, did you have an interesting fun fact? The other consulting offer I had coming out of school was with that same firm here in Chicago. <laughs> it's a small world. We might have been colleagues either way. Did you find the learning curve sort of steepen again as you were going through that? I, I mean, I, I can imagine going to a startup environment and sort of dealing with all the unexpected things there. But did you start going down learning curves in different industries, different types of work or developing an expertise? I did. And so I had the good fortune. I worked in tourism. I worked in banking. I worked in telecom. I worked in railways. I worked in technology. I worked in a number of different industries and each of them provided de facto that promise that the business school had hinted at, that in management consulting, you can continue having these steep learning curves. It was uh, very true. And so I was on the strategy practice. And at some point, the firm decided they were going to focus more on operations which is fine. And at the time, the phone rang. And it's so funny because it's those things that change your life and you're not paying much attention. I distinctly remembered that the phone rang. It was a fixed line phone, by the way, on my desk. And I remember I took the headpiece and I stuck it in, in, on my shoulder because I was typing something. And the headhunter was calling, like they do every month. And uh, with, oh, I have something really interesting. And every time it had been consulting, I had said, well, thank you, but not interested. And that time I gave a different answer. And I don't know, and I'll never know why I gave a different answer. I said, it would have to be Bain for me to be interested. So the only time I said that, and that was a regular phone call from multiple headhunters. And so the person on the other side said, let's keep talking. What was it about Bain that made Bain the option that you would consider if they were calling? Bain was, at the time, already the aspirational firm to work for. I remember both firms where I worked, people would get together like for social events or Friday lunches. And the exciting thing, the buzz was, look at what Bain is doing here. Look at what Bain is doing there. Look at this project, look at this initiative. And so the aspirational, the red hot, even before we were red hot in terms of logo firm to work for was Bain. And so that was probably stuck in the back of my mind and so I'll never know why I gave a different answer, but I'm very glad I did. And sometimes the world, your world, just changes on events that you can't quite explain. So I had a very good fortune. Bain was looking for senior Portuguese talent, and I was very fortunate to get the offer. 
And so I joined Bain in the Madrid office in 2004. Great. So what was the journey like there? Did you start, presumably you had enough consulting experience that you may or may not have started like right back at the beginning, but what was your integration like into Bain as, as a lateral hire? So I was a senior lateral hire. I joined as a principal at the time, actually a senior manager slash principal with multiple business cards, depending on what the audience was. I joined in Madrid and I worked, started working in some industries which I knew and some industries which I didn't. And so again, now I had a learning curve of industries again, but I also had a learning f curve of a new firm and a new geography. My Spanish is quite uh, torture for some of the native speakers, uh, but they were very <laughs> kind and tolerant and quite accepting of my portuñol. Also, Bain started immediately offering me opportunities. So why don't we do a case in London? or look at this transformation happening in a case which is half Brussels, half Paris. And so I started getting involved in a number of topics. At the same time, I was developing my own clients. And so I did oil and gas and utilities, and I was promoted to partner. And when I was promoted to partner, I was doing a DD in an industry I didn't know very well at the time. So I was very focused on, I need to get everything right. And it was beverages. I was in the middle of, uh, DD is a very short time frame, so it's two to three weeks. I was right in the middle of it, and I had an email from uh, the office that said, would you consider a transfer to Australia? I said, what? <laughs> and so that was not at all in my, okay, no, I'm focused on doing this. So I parked it, and so that doesn't make any sense. I just got promoted, I have my client. And then when I had a, a, the chance to take a step back, I said, why not? Here's another opportunity. I didn't even know anyone in Australia and said, uh, why not? And for those listening who may not know, you know, Joao is talking about doing DDs or due diligences for our private equity clients. Those are very busy sprints where you learn a ton, but you're moving 100 miles an hour as you're learning. And so pulling up in the middle of that and thinking about a big life change, like moving to the other side of the world, comes out of nowhere. <laughs> very true. And so I, I literally parked it until we, we had the, the DD completed, the due diligence completed. And then I started thinking, why not? Oh, it's an adventure. And so, yes, I remember landing in Sydney on a Sunday morning at 5 a.m. There was already sunlight and I had two suitcases. And I remember putting the suitcases down and thinking, oh my God, what have I done? I don't know anyone here, <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> and that was a Sunday. And on Monday, as I walk into the office, Within an hour, two hours, the same ways of working, the same behaviors, the same values. And it was so comfortable, the feeling of belonging and the ease of introduction that uh, validated that it is one bane. It was a phenomenal journey. I remember I transferred for six or nine months, ended up staying for a year and a half, working in telecoms and working in banking. And it was a phenomenal life experience. Yeah, and, and I've had several friends have the same experience transferring down to our Australia team. It seems like they just have a great mechanism for integrating people in and making them feel welcome and just getting them right up to speed. Joao, you stayed for a year and a half and then you transferred back to Europe. But did you go back to Madrid? I did. Actually, we thought about opening a presence in Lisbon, but then that was literally after Lehman. And so everything was a bit frozen in time. And then another opportunity emerged. And again, another curveball that Bain throws at you as you build your own Bain. And this time it was, uh, there was help needed in the London office in financial services. 
And I said, oh, I like financial services. I did this in uh, different firms. I did this in Australia. I have to actually do this locally. Why not? And so here we go again. And that, this time the packing was easier. It wasn't across the world. I joined the London office in financial services. And so fully affiliated. I started working with the Irish banks in terms of the turnaround that they needed after the global financial crisis. And then the British banks, Spanish banks, Portuguese banks, and going all the way eastward all, all to the Black Sea. And so I've started developing not only in the financial services arena, but also a number of related topics. And uh, it's been, again, a phenomenal journey. So we're probably at least a decade in at this point. And was your initial experience out of college, out of your bachelor's program, relevant? Or you know, were you building on that foundation this whole time? Because it sounds like you end up back in financial services, which is where you had started way back in the day. And, and I like it. So there is a foundational element around balance sheet and risk. What I like about financial services is that it combines the mass market element of it is mass market with the corporate B2B element you cater to corporations as much as any consumer goods company or any B2B business does. But at the same time, it has the complexity of balance sheet and risk and asset liability management. And so it becomes a more interwoven set of challenges. And so I like it a lot. It requires bringing together a number of different capabilities, which I find very rich. Right. And, and in that industry, from what I can tell on the outside, the learning curve never flattens. No, <laughs> there's no, just no, always no, something no. new. It keeps on reinventing itself. So it's been around for, I don't know, 500, 600, 1,000 years, but still keeps on reinventing itself. And what is your role right now with the FS practice, both for EMEA and for Bain globally? So I have different hats. So I lead our banking transformation practice, but I'm also our interlock between two practices. And so one of them is financial services, the other one is strategy for EMEA. I do have uh, either the leadership of a number of accounts in EMEA or participation as advisory. And so the pandemic has had a few advantages. One of them is nowadays I can actually start advising on a case in either Hong Kong or the Philippines and finish the day advising clients in either Mexico or California or in Brazil or in Chile. And so Yes, that's a clear advantage. I can jump from geography and challenge and topic much faster than I'd been able to do prior to the pandemic. Well, the downside is I can actually be awake from very early to very late some days. <laughs> so it's a trade-off. Right, a risk all of us have been dealing with during the pandemic. I, I used to get great sleep on my flights, and now I don't have flights. <laughs> so I can I just work all the time. I totally relate. Joao, one of the places that we first started working together was with your leadership role on INSEAD. Can you talk a little bit about that role and how it came to be and what it's meant for you in, in your Bain journey? Well, but it's been a, a very good journey. So I started getting involved in recruiting and with INSEAD recruiting just after joining from business school. And when I joined Bain, I joined and helped recruiting not only at INSEAD, but also in the American schools and in undergrad because I do believe ours is a talent business. And one of the things that gives me great energy, and that's important, is to know this talent, find this talent, and then help nurture and develop it. And so for me, that has been a source of energy. And so when I was a constant presence at INSEAD recruiting events, somehow someone decided maybe I could actually 
be more involved. And they invited me to become the head of INSEAD recruiting for Bain, which I cherished and loved every minute of it. It's such a great continuity from business school to Bain in terms of the learning curve, the values, the behaviors, the energy, that if I can transmit that to students that are maybe struggling a little bit to figure out what is it actually that they do, how do the different firms compare, if I can bring a bit of color and a bit of my own experience to help them differentiate as I wish others had done with me, great. And so that's what drove me to become involved with INSEAD. And it was a phenomenal ride in terms of the recruiting team. So the team was amazing, made my life super easy. The energy levels were phenomenal around the recruiting team, the applicants, the process. So loved it. Yeah, and, and INSEAD was one of the schools that I've made the effort to visit every fall in France and now every spring in Singapore pre-COVID. And the community there is absolutely phenomenal, from the faculty to the administration to Iwona, who took the baton from you, to Ani, who's been uh, leading our efforts. The school is just a tremendous community, and a year doesn't seem like enough. You almost wish there was a two- or three-year MBA option there. So, Zhao, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about another big contribution you've been making to Bain for a very long time. For those listening, it's Pride Month right now, and we're on a Zoom call, and Zhao has one of our celebrating Pride Month backgrounds there. And I know that our Be Glad community, Bain's LGBTQ network, is something that's very important to the firm, but it's also very important to Zhao, and he's been leading that effort globally. Zhao, can you talk a little bit about the group at the different levels of affiliation and the types of programming that it's doing inside of Bain and in the community? Sure, happy to. So Be Glad is, as you said, Keith, our LGBTQ network at Bain, and it's part of our broader diversity, equity, and inclusion groups and mechanisms and initiatives. And basically what it aims for is to make sure that we create the inclusive environment that we want and need for, for LGBTQ talent. So we have several pillars of activity, and so The first one is to make sure that we grow that community, that we nurture that community, and that we make sure it's as inclusive as possible, irrespective of geography, irrespective of industry, irrespective of capability, that we are one bane. The second element is to make sure that we increase the level of belonging and the feeling of belonging also for our allies, for the broader bane family. And the third one is that we have a voice, voice both internally and externally for the causes that matter to us and matter to the world that we live in. We can make a contribution. We have the obligation to make a contribution. And so, yes, we do. We raise our voices when we believe it's appropriate, at pain, but also in the world we live in. And that last point for me, as someone who joined Bain the first year we had our Blacks at Bain conference, a lot of what we've been doing more with Blacks at Bain in the community, I think is modeled off of the voice that Be Glad has had over the years in terms of not just worried about how people are doing inside of Bain, but worried about how Bain is doing and how people are doing in the communities we're in. And a lot of the efforts that we've put in have been modeled after the trail that you all blazed there. One of the things that I also wanted people to hear a little bit about are the different levels of affiliation. Because unlike some of the other diversity groups at Bain, there's not just a binary, you're a member, an ally, or you're not. 
there's different levels of affiliation. Can you talk a little bit about what those are and, and why we do that? Yes, we have four levels at Big Left. The first level, level one, is for LGBTQ talent that is out to the firm and to the world. People that are comfortable being out. Level two is for people that are only out to the Big Left community. Level three are people that are only out to the moderator or the, the coordinator of the group, people that don't feel comfortable being out even to the LGBTQ community within Bain. And level four are our allies, so non-LGBTQ talent that help promote and reinforce this feeling of inclusion and belonging for all of us. And so the reason why we have the three levels is that people can choose whichever pace and whichever level of voice and out they want to be and they want to have. And let me ask maybe a, a bit of a personal question here. Do most people start at one level and then move? What was your personal journey like affiliating with BeGlad? Do you start at three and then go to two and then to one? Or do a lot of people just jump right in and be out at Bain? How does that work exactly? I think nowadays there are more people that join as level one. In my case, I joined as a level three. So I was in a country or set of countries in which I was operating in which society frowned and still does upon LGBTQ. There were absolutely no examples of a single executive that was out and the, what I would hear being uh, an invisible LGBTQ member and being in the room when those things were said was that the careers of those people would be over when they were out. And so I joined as a level three. Mm -hmm. When I was in Australia, some of our colleagues encouraged me to join a summit. So keeping the confidentiality that pain assures around being able to join and just to see and to experience and to share also my experience as a level then too and about the choices of not coming out to the broader group. And so we met at the time it was in New York and I was a level two and I shared my experience around society, business, and Bain. In 2011, I started dating another Bainy. And so, of course, there's a, an obligation of disclosure if you're a partner dating another Bainy. And so I disclosed, and that's when I became a level one. I became a level one in 2011. And so it was a very good decision and move in terms of my life. I actually ended up marrying that Bainy, and now we're married and have two kids. Among the best decisions I've ever made, that ranks very much on top. Mm -hmm. And for those who are curious about being a level three, where you're out to the moderator of the group and not out inside of Bain, what is the support like for level three members? Because I do think that it can be a little bit difficult for people to understand what that means to an individual and, and how that actually works. Can you talk a little bit about those, those levels, maybe two and three, where you're not out, but you're still a part of the community? Imagine that you're someone who's LGBTQ, but you're not out. You may be exposed or experience, imagine a client behavior which is inappropriate, jokes, unpleasant remarks. And so you may not feel comfortable voicing it to your leadership team or to your peers. And so you can raise those elements to the moderator. And then there are other mechanisms for the firm to trickle down and make sure that those issues are addressed and that you don't have to be exposing that those behaviors are corrected. There are allies in all our offices. There are ways of doing things that don't expose or compromise anyone. So we don't out anyone. Each person 
chooses their own pace and the level at which they want to interact with the group. But yes, we do have an obligation to protect and to defend. And we do that. That's great. And thanks for sharing that, because I, I do think that it's one of those things people read about. And from a distance, they think they understand it. But understanding what the experience is actually like in different markets around the world, in different client situations, the support for that community becomes an important part of people's journey, both inside and outside of Bain giving a little bit more transparency and visibility into that hopefully is hugely helpful for people that might be struggling with some of the same questions or challenges in their careers. Shuao, you've touched on it a little bit, but can you talk a little bit about the other support and programming that Be Glad is doing around the world? Because it is, from my perspective, and having attended one of the Be Glad summits in person several years ago, a thriving community, a very close community, a very passionate community about supporting each other and seeing each other succeed. But that doesn't happen by accident. And there's a lot of effort and a lot of work that goes into it. Maybe you could talk about some of the programming that, that Be Glad is doing. Yes, there is a lot of programming. Some of them is global, but the most the biggest set of initiatives is actually local. And so it's grassroots. It's people that in their offices organize the get-togethers, the discussions, the bringing in external speakers, the discussing what are the topics which are relevant for my group, my community, my affiliation. And so some of them then are relevant on a given topic. Imagine transgender, intersectionality, or some of them are more focused on specific issues like the passage of legislation in selected countries that may be either in favor or against, how do we mobilize, what stance do we want to make? And Bain then does take those stances and we are very firm in the defense of human rights, which is basically what we're talking about. So each office will have its own BGLAD members that can be any of the levels. If there is minimum scale, and that varies as well, they can create and generate their own initiatives. Social as well, because the connectedness, as you mentioned, is one of our strong and key pillars. But also in terms of how do we organize for recruiting? How do we bring to each community, be it an office, be it an industry, be it a capability, to recruit, to make sure that the recruitment is diverse? And again, we touch this element of intersectionality of people that are representative of the world we live in and certainly not representative of the point where we start. And how do we develop our team? And how do we nurture that team to keep on progressing and growing and learning, bringing their best of themselves to Bain? And so all these elements are done with a central support in terms of coordination, but we rely on the energy, passion of each and every one of us. And the intersectionality point is one that a lot of the diversity groups at Bain are, are really starting to think about as we've achieved a scale that requires us to look at the diversity within the diversity groups in some ways and, and recognize it's, it's wonderful. Yes. There's a lot there. As we grow, we're finding that there are sort of multiple groups within the groups that at the start when you were small, you were all bound by one path and one common goal or one common vision, one common need. And as we grow, the diversity requires a little bit more intention with how you think about the groups and the diversity yes, within. It does. Can you talk a little bit about your work with the DEI Council? Our very first podcast guest uh, almost two years ago was Maria Gordian, who now chairs that council and is a member of the board. But as the leader of Be Glad, you're also part of the Diversity Council at Bain. Can you just talk briefly about what that council does and why it's important? Sure. 
Keith, I don't know if you shared in a previous podcast that you're a member of that council as well. So we're, we're fortunate to be able to share experiences and to debate ideas and to see how we make this world a better place and how we can make pain contribute, not within our four walls only, but everywhere. And so what we're trying to find is what are the different elements? You mentioned intersectionality, but what are all the elements that make us diverse? Is it the element of race? Is it the element of sexual orientation? The element of diverse abilities? Or the element, whichever they may be, that could cause someone to feel that they would not belong? And how do we address it head on, recognize it, and correct course? Because in many cases, what we need to figure out is understand those elements and figure out what do we do, what can we do, again, within our four walls and beyond, to make sure that everyone feels that they belong, that everyone feels included, everyone is a part of the team. It's at the heart of our mission. We are a community of extraordinary talents. And we are. And so we have the obligation, and in my case, the honor to be able to contribute trying to figure out what are those elements that we need to bring to the table. That's really great. And what I see us doing is we are a great place to work, but we want to be a great place to work for everyone, regardless of their background. And the bar keeps on changing. And that's also something wonderful to see. The bar, the, the demands, the levels, the, what we can aspire to be gets better and better. And it does get better. Joao, I want to thank you for such an awesome conversation. I enjoyed our time working together when you were at INSEAD. I enjoy our time working together now on the DEI Council. And it's great to just catch up and share a little bit more of your background and the great work that you're doing here at Bain. So thanks so much for your time today. Same here. Thank you, Keith. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to Beyond the Bio. If you'd like to share a review or give us input on what you'd like to hear on the podcast, we'd really like to hear from you. Please email our inbox at beyondthebio@bain.com. We'll see you soon with some new episodes and thanks for listening.